Welcome back, listeners, to another episode of The New Standard. And I want to thank everybody that joined us for our our special uh, halftime show. That was something that uh, we may try next year. Um, but it'll depend on if I actually uh, get NFL Game Pass. So it may be tough for us to do that next year. I hope you guys like that. That's a little bit of a treat that we wanted to bring to you. Also, I guess it took me all year as the guy that kind of engineers the show. You see the the new bubbles on the end of the names with the Lance Williams and the Neil Kulong in black and gold. And you see the logo for the show in the background. I guess it only took 18 weeks for me to get up to snuff on the technical side of the program. But, you know, this this show is 365, so you know, never uh, too late to make some modifications and changes to the show. As always, if you want to participate in the program, make sure you catch us on YouTube. Do a search for The New Standard and Lance Williams or Neil Kulong. Also, you can catch us on any popular podcast podcast feed. Excuse me. Just do a search for The New Standard and Steelers, and you will find the program. If you're on YouTube joining us right now, please, 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 Hit us with a like and subscribe. We want to get the show monetized. And unfortunately, the title of this program is Bon Voyage, Big Ben. And, you know, forget you, uh, Double H. Double H is killing me already. Oh, Lance, a CMU grad needs to be tech savvy. And I actually have on my CMU hoodie, as you can see, the tartan colors. <laughs> Lance, Lance is not tech savvy. No, Sorry, I, I, CMU. I, 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 I'm Sorry sort of for all tech you savvy. From CAU out there. You know, I'm sort of tech savvy, but I'm an older guy, so I'm like <laughs> older tech savvy. So, but 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 you know, but that's one thing. That's one misconception. Like you can be tech savvy around certain things, um, but you can't be tech savvy about everything. And sorry for your loss, Melvin. Melvin wrote that he was at a repass. No worries, Melvin, that you were late to the program. And I understand life is bigger than the Steelers. For some people, <laughs> and but um, I don't even know what a repass is. What's a repass? Um, a repass, I believe. Don't let me get it wrong, but a repass is, I believe, it's um, kind of. Uh, I'm going to get it wrong, so I'm not. Gonna, I'm not going to define it. But I, it's either, you know, when someone is passed along, it's either. Uh, sort of the ceremony that it's not really a ceremony it's just like a viewing and where people yeah. go to view the body over the course of a couple of days catholics call that a wake is that the same thing no well i think you're right that's the wake i think the repass is after uh someone passed and you go to the repass afterwards <laughs> and, you, and you eat and you eat food and you They're eat food and, wake too, well well anyway i'm sorry i messed that up melvin Neil put me on the spot. Tell us what it is. I was kind of waiting for that. Neil put me on the spot and tried to yeah, have me uh, define it. Um, but uh, <laughs> it, it, well, when Melvin said it's when you celebrate the life of the dead, and it might be this podcast and this particular <laughs> show if we continue to talk about uh, a, a, new, a, a repass. Uh, but thank you, Edgar Torres, for hopping onto the program <laughs> um, and, and kind of resetting us. Because actually, you know, I am excited uh, for this offseason. And we're going to bring you a lot of content. I think, I think actually, in my opinion, I think that's kind of the business season is kind of where I think we shine the most. But, um, you know, just looking at the game book for this show, I mean, I wrote on Twitter, I mean, damn, Travis Kelsey threw a touchdown pass. I mean, that kind of <laughs> just sums up. The whole kind of damn game. game. I mean, <laughs> you know, you look at Patrick Mahomes' numbers. Did you see Mahomes' numbers? <laughs> it's just he was he was thirty for thirty nine, four hundred and four, uh, for five touchdowns for one thirty eight quarterback rating. I'm willing to bet that four of his nine incompletions came in like the first quarter. And I would it was guess. just lights out from that point on. And, and this is what me and Neil were trying to say, and we weren't trying to kick the Steelers, but unlike other shows that are going to be really fanboy, and I won't mention those shows. We're, we're, we're going to try to be honest. We're going to give you our honest thoughts on the Steelers. And when, you know, you play an opponent and they score 42 against you and 36 against you and average 39 points per game, that was the difference of these, uh, between these two teams. I mean, you know, 
when Vegas makes a team 12 and a half point favorites, I mean, it kind of says everything. It means, you know, you're not a good football team. It means you got there, but you were probably kind of lucky to get there. You don't have to apologize, but it shows you the difference between the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Kansas City Chiefs and probably the Buffalo Bills or any other very good team. There, there's just a chasm. It's the, there's just a big chasm between what is really good and what is average. And the Steelers right now are just an average team. And um, Grayson brought it up because it's always brought up often about Tomlin having a winning record overall. But Grayson did bring it up that Tomlin has a losing record in the postseason. Finally, a losing record. But for you, Neil, when you look at this particular game, is there any number that stands out for you other than a big 42 points by the Kansas City Chiefs? I think it, it I would say the number five for me, because I swear, Lance, we've done four previous post-game podcasts of games that looked a lot like this one did. Statistically, it looks a lot like this one in in some ways, not all, but some ways. And the Steelers won a couple of those games. I mean, that Ravens game was a train wreck in, in terms of, of offensive stats. And the Steelers had, you know, the fourth quarter to kind of run these stats up a bit, and clearly they did. Um, I just think overall, this game didn't feel at all unfamiliar. This is not like a, 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 a stomach punch level loss. This was exactly what we saw from this team. We, we could have told you this was all going to happen. It's in the weirdest way, in every way but the score, the most predictable season we've ever seen. Except yeah, they, they yeah. somehow gutted out a few games. I, 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 I have said this since it happened, but that Tennessee game was so ridiculously beyond normal. You just you don't see games like that very often. The fact that they won that game was ridiculous. It was so stupid. And it came down to the fact that that, you know, you can't pick just one. But if they don't win that game, which they shouldn't have, they're not playing in this game. And at the same time, they lost worse this season at times than they did to, to Kansas City. I right. think the first Kansas City game was worse than this one, to be honest with you. Yeah, they didn't was. have a first quarter in that first game. Kansas City just didn't, you know. They didn't pull the sled, I think, as hard as they probably could have uh, at the end of that one like they did with this one. They're throwing passes with Kelsey for their last touchdown, and then they probably, out of respect, tried not to score the rest of the way. Yeah. It, it was just it, – it was so similar in so many ways that it, it's hard to wrap my head around just how weird of a season this really was. And the, the predictability of the end, we didn't pick – pittsburgh to win this game i don't know anybody with any sense that picked pittsburgh to win this game well the manner in which they want they lost wasn't surprising kansas city is a really really good football team i would not be surprised if they win at all they're 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 very good um you're going to have a problem beating them but nothing we saw from pittsburgh tonight lance was abnormal in my mind this is exactly what i expected to happen that's an incredible number and welcome to the show and sorry if you've been on the show before super steelers the name looks a little different or a little new that the Steelers had 12 yards of offense in the first quarter. But here's the <laughs> thing, Neil, he, he, here's the thing. And I, I mean, like, even when you know the outcome is probably what it's going to be, it's, it's still as a fan, it still is kind of gut wrenching, gut wrenching. It still feels like you still like, even as I'm doing the show and I'm making these comments the finality of the season is still hitting me right now. Even though I knew that this team was not going to be Kansas City, that this team really didn't have a realistic chance of winning the Super Bowl, you know, it still feels like the finality of the season still hits. Let me jump into a couple of the numbers here. And, and some of these numbers are just amazing. And thank you, Super Steelers, for that. Total first downs, the Steelers had 19 to the Chiefs 26. But get this, the Chiefs had 19 first downs in and of themselves. I mean, I've never seen a stat sheet where a team has the total number of first downs that an opposite team has just in passing. They had 19 first downs and 26 for the game. That's ridiculous. 
Total net yards, 257 for the Steelers, 478 for the Chiefs. Average gain per <laughs> offensive play, 3.9 to 7.4. I mean, some of these numbers are just astronomical. Net passing, 201 to 372. Average gain per pass play, 4.4 to 8.7. I mean, Kansas City was just absolutely a better team. Kansas City was 4-4 in the red zone, 3-3 in goal-to-goal situations. They were 8-12 of on third down. I mean, this was just a beatdown. And interestingly enough, and we won't break this down because we care nothing about the divisional matchup between the Bills and the Chiefs, which is going to be a great game, a rematch game for the Chiefs, where the Bills absolutely manhandled the Chiefs early in the season, is uh, teams are going to look at the Steelers' game plan from that first quarter. And, um, you know, the Chiefs will expect to see some some teams try to mimic what the Steelers did, um, you know, in that game. And thank you to Steelers Wire for hopping on. And uh, he wrote, uh, "Feels like the 44 yards in the first half is a worse number. That 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 that's incredible. We're at, we're at the point where we could legitimately argue that. That's how bad it was. You know, we all lose by arguing that. <laughs> 44 yards in two quarters of play, seven punts or eight punts in the first half. And I, that's I, a high game. Yeah, that's a high game. And I don't like to lump in seasons together because, you know, seasons are separate. They are their own story. But it's an interesting comment from Grayson Brown. Thank you, Grayson, for being a longtime listener. I'm not liking the trend of postseason losses for the Steelers. 36, 45, <laughs> 43, 42, giving up in the last four postseasons. Really and, like be- and I'm a bet, Grayson, they don't like it either. I don't, I don't, I don't know what that says other than your defense was atrocious in those situations i don't know if there's a link there's some causality that links all four of those years other than it's mike tomlin running the defense but um you know again a very disappointing exit to the playoffs from that game book and any of these numbers is there anything else that stands out to you in this game from a numbers perspective um honestly, this just all looks exactly as I thought that it would. So not really a whole lot stands out. I mean, um, did Watt get a sack? He didn't, right? Yeah, he did get a sack. Oh, he, he got did. a sack late. Yeah. But but here's the thing. Kudos to him. He didn't celebrate. Yep, that was smart. That was yes, smart. That, would, that would have looked uh, – Leader, that would have made him look like an absolute uh, – Leadership. Yeah, stat chaser. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, come it, on now. You. To be honest, and, you know, as far as T.J. Watt chasing stats, I mean, it, well, it, to be fair, they, they get paid for that. You, you kind of have to to some degree. The celebration, in my opinion, is as much salesmanship as anything else. They want the stat keepers to see them celebrating and make them think that they got the sack. And we could argue about this for days, and I got into it all week with people in, in social media. TJ Watt gets credited for, for more sacks than he gets in, in a technical sense. And that's fine. Everybody gets that. It, it's, you know, I don't, the record itself doesn't matter. I think he's put together a, a, a three-year run for the ages, but he yeah, probably ages, had I mean. three, four sacks in that time that really aren't his. Uh, I mean, honestly, yeah. I mean, honestly, off the top of my head, in terms of sacks from a three-year stretch, I mean, the only type of player I can think that probably had a three-year stretch as good as him is actually was his brother, um, J.J., as well as maybe Reggie White. Reggie White probably had a three-year stretch that was probably as good. Um, Since that came up, let's see what exactly T.J. Watt is in comparison to... Um, I'm thinking Khalil Mack or Von Miller. Those are the first two that came to my head, but let's let's see where they all compare here. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, Aaron Donald has had a dominant stretch like that. Here's a couple other numbers just to throw out a couple of numbers that are odd in this game. It's odd when the time of possession is even, when it's thirty minutes, thirty minutes. That that's pretty odd. It's Splash thirty minutes, plays, thirty right? minutes, and not only was the time of possession 30-30, but the final score was split in half as well, twenty-one to forty-two. Those are some odd numbers as well. 
Here's some other odd numbers when you look at this game. And, and of course, the Patriots gave up seven consecutive touchdowns, which was beautiful. That's one of the things that that makes this crazy. You know, it makes this a little bit more digestible. And I feel a little bit better about the Steelers getting smashed as at least the Patriots won't get seven championships is uh, the Chiefs scored on six consecutive drives. Um, and the Steelers punted, of course, on uh, seven consecutive drives, but they did not punt in the second half. Uh, but so there were some streaks in, in this game, you know, not really a weird game, just a game in which Vegas pretty much thought was going to happen. I didn't think the Steelers would get beat by 21, but I did feel like uh, the 12 and a half was a safe cover. And unfortunately, from the Steelers perspective, uh, of getting beat that bad. I I, I did go 4 and 0 uh this weekend. I yeah. I picked every game correctly. Um I I, I did go Cowboys. 4-0. I was 3 and 1. Cowboys let me I knew it too. I knew that was going to happen. I knew they were come out and lay an egg early and it, they, they until the end they didn't even really compete in that game. San Francisco is a gritty team. They're kind of tough. They're sort of like Las Vegas in that way. And I picked Vegas Kind of thinking uh, they shouldn't keep this close, but they're just the kind of the type of team that will. And San Francisco's like that as well. I got the San Francisco, or I got the uh, Bengals, what, five and a half over Vegas. And then uh, I biffed it on San Francisco and Dallas. I had Dallas minus three and a half. We're going to have to keep Steelers Wire on a program because that's why I love Steelers Wire. And I was right. Look at me. I'm red hot. I figured I figured Reggie White was the guy that had the most sacks in his first five seasons just because Reggie White was just astronomical. Yeah. Um, and they had Reggie Watt, White with what, 81. What's interesting about Watt, and I didn't even see this originally, but he's increased in sacks every year he's been in the league. Seven to yeah. 13, 14 and a half to 15 to 22 and a half. That's impressive. Yeah, Especially when you're hitting triple digits in your second season. Yeah. I mean, he's a he's he's an incredible ball player. And I think I was going back, not going back and forth with a guy on Twitter, but a guy on Twitter was saying TJ Watts the most dominant player he's seen. I mean, and I, and I knew it was a younger guy. And 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 I said, look, well, you know, probably Reggie White and, and, and LT are the two most dominant defensive players that I've seen, given the fact that I'm a little bit older. And it just shows you that Reggie White getting 81 sacks in his first five seasons, he'd probably get paid $250 million a year. That, that's, I mean, that's, that's just the bananas. thing. You always have to, you have to factor in evolution when it comes to that stuff. Because here's the thing. Lawrence Taylor did what T.J. Watt is doing when no one else came within 40% of that. Taylor was the, the first real uh, complete and total impact, three-down impact uh, edge rusher. And the, the, the explosive plays that he racked up, he was the first guy who went after the ball when he came after the quarterback. He forced fumbles, which wasn't really as much a thing for some reason uh, back then. The evolution of Lawrence Taylor created the value that is the left tackle today. San Francisco took one of their guards because he was the most athletic guy they had and put him at left tackle to stop Lawrence Taylor. So teams started putting their most athletic linemen at left tackle to protect the blind side of the quarterback. That's because of Lawrence Taylor. Okay, T.J. Watt is a phenomenal player. Don't get me wrong, but he's not changing the game right now. I and mean, that, that's an no. opportunity as well. I'm not trying to speak ill of him, but comparing the two is impossible. You know, Taylor, yeah. Watt is doing today what he's doing because of Lawrence Taylor. And you have to you have to recognize history. Uh, yeah. Watt is obviously going to be a, a bigger, stronger, faster athlete. That's that's evolution. Watt is not hopped up on five different drugs. Um Literally okay. hours before a game, the way Lawrence Taylor was. <laughs> well, Lawrence they had to was Lawrence Taylor out of his car. He would he would crash at the Meadowlands parking lot, and security would come and get him, help him inside, and he would drink like a bottle of Scope because he smelled so bad. They put him out on the field. And he had three sacks in the first half, and well, they sat well, him. and He went inside and took a nap. Well, this TJ guy, also Lawrence uh, Taylor was just not human. Yeah, well, the one drug that TJ definitely is not using that Lawrence was using uh, was cocaine. But let's <laughs> let's let's, <laughs> let's switch reels. And I want to thank Melvin for the comment. I wish I had something provocative or smart to say, but I'm on Gentleman Jack and a cigar. It's a celebration of life for the 2021 Steelers. They overachieved, and yes, the Cowboys lost. And that leads me to a question. There was a point that you said, I believe it was on our last show, our pregame show, and you said something, believe it or not, 
success isn't just measured by winning the Super Bowl because everybody would fail. How would you measure this season? Was this a successful season in the mind of Neil Kulong in regards to that statement that you made a couple of shows ago? I think, let me let me clarify that a little bit. You don't measure the Super Bowl as the end-all, be-all um, of success in a season because the Super Bowl is a multi-season pursuit for everybody who isn't Bill Belichick. And now he's seeing that that's the case uh, while Tom Brady just redefines everything. The fact that they are as uh, historically freakish needs to be acknowledged. Beyond that, Tampa Bay was a team that had to build a little bit and then add a bunch of pieces before they won the Super Bowl last year. Kansas City, oddly enough, and this should make you feel really old, the Steelers' last win in the playoffs was against uh, Kansas City, in Kansas City, when Alex Smith was their quarterback, okay? At that point, Kansas City was a decent team. They, they could have won that game against Pittsburgh. They almost made it to the AFC Championship game, and they had been a one, maybe two, win, two playoff win team up to that point they got Mahomes in there and that changed everything for them they added Hill Kelsey became who he was they had to build that so you can't look solely at one season and say this is you know it, it's it's a one-year thing and that's it I it, it's just logically and intellectually invalid to, to suggest that in my mind a success a, a successful season for a team like Pittsburgh I, I would say getting to the playoffs is a success I would have been the first person in line to tell you there's no way in hell this team was going to the playoffs this year. Oh, and they almost did. didn't. We a couple did. times they almost didn't. It was very close. They had to win their last two games to do it, and they did. I didn't think they were going to win either of those games, and they did. Um, to me, I think you can, if you're Mike Tomlin, you're able to take the success of this season. He's not going to tell you this publicly. You know, The, the goal to, to the fans in their mind always is the Super Bowl, and you failed. If they're building, which sexy tanking, we've been over this a million times, they clearly are doing right now. My opinion, you got more out of pushing to win, out of playing your guys late, out of giving everything that you can in the fourth quarter of a blowout loss in Kansas City than you would have tanking games, losing, and getting the 12th overall pick. They're going to draft 20th which I know is not, once again, they're in the back third of the draft, but what they have is a group of young guys that need to learn how to be led. They need to learn how to win. And you can't learn to win by losing. You know, you, you need to be able to go out there and compete hard like a champion to learn how to be a champion. And losing to a team like Kansas City is a good start in that direction. They're, they're the you know, the, the AFC champions, at least they've been the, the cream of the AFC for the last couple of years. So to me, it, it's a successful season because they exceeded my expectations for them. So if I'm the one deciding, if I'm the gatekeeper of what is successful, I think they had a successful year because I think they're going to be better next year. They're going to take this and they're going to be able to improve. They needed another draft. They needed another free agency period. They needed another training camp. All these things needed to happen anyway. But the fact that Everybody counted them out for however long, myself included. They were able to build something out of that. There's confidence that comes into it. Dan Moore had no business being on the field this season. In a normal situation, there's no way he would have been on the field. If Zach Banner had been healthy, he would not have played. We know that. He now has a year of experience under his belt. He has veteran uh, uh, bona fides in the locker room now. He can come back after another NFL overseen offseason, weight training program, diet, all of that. He can come back into training camp, continue to work on his craft, and he's going to be a lot better. So the Steelers would have a starting left tackle on a cheap contract playing two years in the NFL. It's his second season. He's got two more cheap years. That's a good asset to have. You can figure out the right tackle in the draft. They've done it before. Um, they can add better pieces this year than they could. They're going to come back a stronger team, and we can look back to – the Titans game to the big the, the the final two wins over the the Browns and the Ravens to get into the playoffs. We can look at those things as launching points into where they're trying to go as a I team see. in the future. That's what you're saying. So I, mean, I, winning, I think that makes it a successful year. Winning is learned. Um, success informs success, 
And so uh, you can't tell me that the Steelers aren't further along than, say, Jacksonville, even though Jacksonville has Trevor Lawrence. Right. You, you've got to learn to win. It's a process. And it was a process for the Steel Curtain Steelers. You know, when they lost to Miami, that Miami team that went undefeated when they could have beaten that Miami team and started the curtain even earlier, but it was a process. They had to lose that game to become what they became. And, you know, if we look back in another couple of years, and this is the start of something, another run, I think we'll point back to this. I think, you know, success yep. informs success because they'll look back and point to some of the things that they did that got them to this point, and they can build on those things. They prepared for a football game in the playoffs. They felt that intensity. They felt it ratchet up. So I think this game, this year was a success. And I think you have to look at, look at success in the context of the year itself. You know, I know that the historical stuff means everything and it's all great. But if you're a bad team, you can't hold your historical legacy as the measuring stick of your success. You know, if you're a bad team, you're just a bad team. And if you overachieve, it's successful. Now, in terms of historical success and all that stuff, of course it isn't. But I don't think anybody went in, at least I think anyone who actually objectively looked at this football team thought that this team was a playoff contender or even a Super Bowl contender. So I do think that this year was a success as well. This podcast was a success because it took all year for us to finally get hacked and someone, hey, kudos to <laughs> kudos to somebody that hacked the show. Hey, we're on, you are we're nobody. <laughs> you know, you're nobody. To somebody tries to kill you, and they, you know, hey, I, I kudos fantastic. to whoever chimed in the show and gave us with that fantastic comment. But That's great. before we talk about to Ariel's point, what this team needs, and we'll examine that more. I think NBC did a pretty good graphic. Uh, Michelle Tafoya at the end of the game, I took a picture of it. I was going to try to use it for the background. I might use it for the background later. They came up with some adjectives to describe best, to describe Big Ben. And, you know, I just wanted to, wanted to throw it to you, Neil, about Big Ben. How will you remember Big Ben? I'm going to throw out some of these adjectives uh, that, that they put on there. They put family man, all-time great communicative, Hall of Famer, gutsy, consistent, toughness, uh, loyal, competitor, strong, growth, big, clutch, leader, grit, world champion, authentic, smart. Thinking of those adjectives, uh, is there any one of those adjectives that you think about when you think about Ben Roethlisberger as it looks like his career is going to end as a starting quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers? Um, I I hate being cliche these things because you can tell when the, the national broadcast comes up with the cheesy, low-hanging fruit. But in reality, I think toughness is probably the, the biggest thing that you'll get with Ben. Actually, um, that was the biggest. Actually, in the graphic, toughness was the, yeah, the word that was me. the biggest. I think it, it's... It's not the, oh, he's hurt, he's limping around, or he's kind of hinting at an injury all week. That That's not what I think of when I think of toughness. What I think of is team is down 14 points in the fourth quarter. He's raising his game. He's playing better than he did. He's directing. He's leading. The The most frustration you ever saw with Ben was always early. You know, it, it was early. Today was a great example of it because they didn't look like they had any clue what they were doing offensively. And, them that held out for most of the game but they really were off the, the page early on and he would eventually kind of bring everything back together um he didn't care what the score was he was going to play the game for four quarters to me that, that that's toughness um physically yes he, he, an extremely tough guy and i i worry about his long-term health i don't think he's gonna be able to walk by the time he's 50 He's, he's beat up. I think there's a reason he didn't take snaps under center uh, because he couldn't really bend over. I mean, his knees are shot. So he was able to play through all of that, and that's great. But I, the mental toughness, the leadership that Ben brought, uh, to me, is, is always going to be the main thing that, that stands out. You always felt like you had a chance 
in a game where Ben Roethlisberger was healthy and uh, he was still in it. They were still playing. He he epitomized that that grit, you know, that the again the cheesy cliche stuff that you hear about. Um, he played the game hard. He played the game with a, a competitive edge that you don't see a whole lot of people playing with. He's a, a throwback kind of player. Um, they're going to miss him. You know, it, it's not a physical thing as much as it's he existed this season on guts more than anything else. And he wasn't good. But to be honest, he wasn't bad all the time either. I mean, he, he was very limited. There wasn't a whole lot that he could really do. But he didn't screw up a whole lot. I thought he was better this year than he was last year overall. Um, he could have been a lot worse for what he had. I think that the weapons around him got worse. Uh, wasn't a, a good team by any stretch. He got something out of that um, that really I didn't think we were going to see. And I think with that, it, it gets into that tough leadership uh, kind of mentality that he had. And it, it's you go all the way back to when he was a rookie. And I fuck, I was a kid when when. Ben first came into the team, the way that he played, the swagger that he had, um, you got a sense that you were just, you were never out of any game that Ben was playing in. And he gave everything he had for the team. Didn't work out the, the way that people would have wanted. I get it, but um, it certainly hats off to him. That, that's the, my opinion, second to mean Joe, he's the best player in franchise history, best offensive player in franchise history. He's a hall of fame player. Um, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough. He can't be replaced, and it's certainly not gonna happen next year. So, yeah, he's definitely uh, Steeler royalty. If you're on a live track, chime in with a couple of adjectives that you might use to describe Big Ben. Super Steelers said Yenzer, uh, and, and I'll get back to that one. Um, Double H said gritty. Um, uh, Ariel seventy five Ben is the ultimate warrior who is way past his prime. Um, when I think of Ben and some of the things you described, uh, uh, Neil, is, you know, when you think, when I think of Yenzer and I think of Pittsburgh, I think of Lunch Pail. You know, I think of Lunch Pail, not going to complain, um, and, and it's going to give you an honest effort. So when I think of Big Ben, I think of honest and professional. Um, you know, what you want from... <laughs> a professional is you want you want a professional effort meaning someone who's not going to cheat the game um and and that's what big ben gave you uh, uh, as well as being a hall of fame quarterback he gave you an honest work every single game he put his helmet on and you can't say um and, and john pennington is saying it here blue collar um, Edgar Torres, eternal. Um, and and you can't honestly say that about many people that you work with or have worked with or professional athletes, that they brought it an honest effort every single time they strapped it up. I can never really remember a game where Ben was not trying to win. I think he appreciated uh, being a Pittsburgh Steeler, what he meant um, and, and what that meant in terms of being a hard-nosed, professional, honest football player because the efforts of the legends in that locker room would not allow you to bring anything else or anything less. Um, Edgar Torres said eternal because there will be generations in the future that will appreciate what he did during this time here, and I agree probably number two in franchise history. Uh, Grayson said, Ben is a Viking. He's absolutely tough. Um, and that leads us briefly into the discussion of the next quarterback and the next quarterback. And it's going to be a hell of a job being that next guy trying to follow up Ben Roethlisberger. Cause I'm going to tell you, no matter what that next guy does, this is what you're going to hear. He ain't been. He ain't been. Th that might as well. You might as well put that on the last name. The surname of the next quarterback should be Bob. He ain't been. It, it doesn't matter who, who it is. He ain't going to be been. 17. Yes. Yes. And speaking of next guys, 
I read a report. I don't know if it was from Steelers Wire. I think I read it from another couple of places that it looks like the Steelers are going to um, offer Dwayne Haskins a restricted free agent tender. I would imagine it would be a low tender, um, the lowest tender possibly, uh, because I can't see that there's much market for Dwayne Haskins. Um, but if that's the case, you're looking at Mason Rudolph, Dwayne Haskins, and I think that looks at, you know, maybe a veteran of some sort, Gardner Minshew, and you called that uh, no. Neil Stradamus a couple of years ago. You know, I, that, somebody that's who that I ilk. wanted. That's who I want. They're not going to bring in three veteran quarterbacks that are all of starting caliber. I, I think it, it's in my draft one. You're probably right. I, there. My, my guess, what I would think they would do if they want um, a veteran, I think Haskins fits that bill, even if it's kind of a pricier, uh, even 2.3 million, I believe is the, the low round tender uh, offer. Nobody's going to match that, that for Dwayne Haskins. Um, do you want to compete with him on the open market though? Then he gets a chance to leave. He's going to be the backup. He might think that he has a chance to start somewhere else. I can't imagine that that would be the case, but somebody else might sell him on that. I could see that going either way. I would not say that that's locked in stone. Um, but you get the issue of, and this goes back to, to Bill Parcell's famous axiom, when you have two quarterbacks, you have none. What that means yep. is if you have two guys, neither one of them can separate from the other. You don't have one. You need a guy. You need to know who that is. They can't spend it pregame in week one splitting snaps. You need to know who it is and you need to go with them. At the same time, if you aren't sure of who that is and you still need to, to you know divide the labor that way, you don't have a quarterback. So if you're going to bring Haskins in to be a backup at $2.3 million, what are you doing? What's the point of paying Rudolph for? You don't have a quarterback. So you're paying a combined six for the two of them plus the $10 million dead for Ben, you've got a $16 million quarterback that is worth individually a quarter of that at most. You're spending a lot of money to not have a quarterback. I'm going to say eight. So what I think makes the most <laughs> sense, you've got Rudolph already signed. I'm not – look, you've heard me talk about Mason Rudolph, not my favorite player. I Whatever. We'll get into that this offseason. He's signed. He's locked up. Your best option is to draft a quarterback and have the, the rookie be a backup and bring in a veteran journeyman if you want three quarterbacks. And I would only say to do that because you've got a rookie uh, backing up kind of a not good player. You might want to bring in another guy for the sake of, of the room for some mentorship. Uh, that wouldn't be a Gardner Minshew. Minshew can play. He's worth a lot more than that. I think you have. I think he signed a two-year deal. So I think Philadelphia still has the rights to him. You don't want to have to, to pay assets to acquire one. There are plenty of junky backup quarterbacks on the market that could serve the role that you want question is you know i would say this you know bring back josh dobbs if you've enjoyed paying josh dobbs being assistant coach all these years do it again i mean i, I don't i don't think there's an issue with that <laughs> you that's him probably assistant coach <laughs> well literally that's what he is they, they put him on ir for a hamstring injury in the preseason they didn't want to put him on the roster they were going to pay him a million dollars or whatever the minimum was for him to, to serve in the room they did that with with Gradkowski. They did it with Leftwich. They did it with Batch. They'll do that, and that, they, teams do that. That's fine. I don't have an issue with that at all. But that's going to be your quarterback room, in my opinion. If, if you're paying, you made the decision to extend Rudolph. Rudolph's going to be your guy. I don't like that. I don't agree with it. At the same time, you're drafting 20th overall. If you have a quarterback that you like at 20 overall, it's probably not for this coming year. It, it's for the future. And I think there are going to be some that will fall to 20 that are probably worth that. So to me, I think that's a good spot to look at. But only if you're 100% set on Mason Rudolph being your starter. Because if you're not, you're not getting the starter at 20. You're going to have to go into free agency to do that. And then that opens up a whole other set of doors. Which, which Where do you stop with that? Is it Rodgers, Wilson, Garoppolo? Is it Minshew? Somebody like that. Kirk Cousins is going to be plenty available. These are all guys oh, no. you have to sign to contracts beyond this season. Yes, so yes, yes. You if have if to, you're making yes. that decision, there's no point in drafting a rookie. So you, you need to, to know from the start whether or not Mason Rudolph is your quarterback. In my opinion, they made this decision last year. That's why they got him. That's why they signed him to an extension. So they've already made this decision. My opinion, what that means is 
they're targeting a quarterback in one of the top rounds. Not necessarily one. They found Rudolph in the third. <laughs> Seemed confident in that plan for some reason. Here's the thing. Now, I'm looking at, and and, and we'll see this will play out. Um, here, here's the thing, and correct me if I'm wrong. If you brought in, if you signed um, Haskins to the qualifying tender, which is like 2.4. I think I posted it on uh, the live chat. I think it's 2. Point, according to over the cap, it's 2.4 million. Um, I'm looking at Mason Rudolph's number. If you cut Mason Rudolph pre-June 1st or post-June 1st, you take basically 1 million in dead money and you your cap savings is 3 million. If you cut, could you cut Haskins and get the savings for his tender, or when he signs his tender, is that tender counted against your cap, regardless believe, of whether they make the roster? I believe it's guaranteed. So, okay, uh, what that would mean is that would all be dead. Okay, if they so, cut him. So yes, so, you don't cut guys; you give those tenders to for that reason. You know, so, it's, so but but there but that there is that that sets up a scenario if you could have the three million dollar cap savings. You could presumably bring him in, let them compete. Whoever wins the competition <laughs> gets the starting job. Is. The other one gets cut. You know, and the other one gets could, cut, and you and you could do it that way. And you draft the next guy and bring. So it's you have them compete for QB one. You still do the plan with the draft pick and the you know just the other guy on the roster that you have. I forget that Jets quarterback's name that played one start and ESPN tried to say he might be the starter for the rest of the season. And then he played Flacco. the next game and, and got destroyed. No, it wasn't I Flacco. Forget. It was we, another guy. We were guy. talking about him. We love that guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah we love that guy. Too. Yeah, for like how one fickle, start. How fickle fans are. <laughs> but, 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 what it, but what it does say is I, I think it does set up an interesting scenario uh, for the Pittsburgh Steelers next year with the quarterback position, because I mean, that's probably what we're going to talk about a lot in this off season and make sure you stick with the program because we're going to bring shows to you every week. We're probably going to sort out what the schedule will be, but I'm, but I'm thinking we're going to take a deep dive into both sides of the football and, and kind of see, you know, where the weaknesses are, you know, where the Steelers might go. I mean, I went back and forth with a friend of mine um, as I'm watching the game, and he's like, uh, you know, you do a podcast, BGM for the Steelers coming forward, and what's the move? I'm just kind of like, there's no real sexy moves. Like, this isn't sexy. Like, it's draft good players, coach them well, and you see what happens. There's enough holes to wear. And, and thank you, Edgar Torres. It was Mike White. Um, yeah. And – um. You know, one of the few quarterbacks in the NFL this year that was worse statistically than Ben Roethlisberger. One of the few, a QBR that was actually <laughs> almost on the ground. But you know, <laughs> you know, you know, we're going, we're going to uh, dive into it, and we're going to break this down and kind of look at different things, and because it's, it's going to be a very interesting off season. You know, they're going to have no Ben Roethlisberger at quarterback next year, and they're going to have quite a bit of cap space moving forward. We broke the news about who the next GM was going to be. Make sure you listen to the, the show, a couple of previous shows where Neil kind of broke that news or gave a little, little teaser from a source that he has about who the next GM will be. So there's going to be a lot of news and a lot of things we're going to break down. But before we get out of here, um, give me your thoughts on the divisional playoffs, Neil. Uh, let me give you the first matchup on Saturday, Bengals-Titans. Who you like in that one? I, I really... It, it's hard for me to want to continue to bet in favor of the Tennessee Titans. I, I just, I don't think they are a great example of what you can do with that tough, um, highly competitive team that might not be all that talented, but they're going to be really hard for you to beat. I think the Bengals have the explosive ability. I think they've got the playmaking ability, but top to bottom, I, the Bengals, the Bengals don't strike me as a team that knows how to win um, tough games. I think Tennessee is going to give them all that and more and take it out of Cincinnati. 
Cincinnati hasn't won a big game this season in which they didn't fall apart the following week, which is the classic trait of a, a, a team with an inexperienced coach that it may have talent on it. If you put up 40 on somebody in the NFL, you did a lot of things well. But Cincinnati hasn't shown me that they're capable of stacking those kinds of games unless they're playing Pittsburgh or Baltimore. I don't think they can do it two weeks in a row. I'm going to pick Tennessee. Yeah, that, that's your uh... – you just trying to make up for that Zach Taylor shade. <laughs> Zach Taylor's a choke. I, That's that does, Zach Taylor you know, shade. Kinds of weird things that that guy does that it just makes me wonder. Okay, he's going to cost. He's going to cost him more than he's going to benefit him. What did he, you know he even what? had a quote? He even had a quote in the paper that said that that winning their wild card game is a testament to to the smart move of keeping him around. It's like okay, first off. It's a damn wild card game, all right? I understand that my team just got worked in, in the wild card game and hasn't won a playoff game in a long time, but you guys really need to learn how to act like you've been there before, okay? You they, haven't they done haven't. squat. You didn't do anything. You beat a, a you beat a mediocre at best Raiders team. And, yes, I know the Raiders beat the Steelers this year. I have not at all said that Pittsburgh is a great team. They're not. The Raiders aren't a great team either. And the Bengals should have blown the doors off of that team in the fourth quarter. And they didn't do it because they're, they don't know how to win. They don't know how to close. They're not, they're not good like that. They could beat the hell out of, of two weak Steelers and Ravens teams, but they lose to the jets. Um, should have lost to the bears. Uh, should have lost to the Vikings. It, it, they're, they're not a good team. I, Tennessee has enough armor, you know, they're, they're battle tested. I don't know how long this window is going to be for them, but I think Tennessee is just a better team, and I, it's going to come down to the fact that I think Mike Vrabel is is a better coach. He knows how to direct championship level teams better than Zach Taylor does. Mike Vrabel is a very good coach. Actually, it's very interesting that uh, he's become the best uh, Belichick guy to be a head coach. But I'm gonna go the opposite way. He didn't um, coach for it, Belichick. <laughs> he played for Belichick. He didn't yes, coach he felt. Yeah, that's right. But People I'm just you know, that. I just. Yeah, I just lump him in there because he's a Belichick player. But you're right. He did not coach with Belichick. I'm going to go the opposite way, man. I'm going to go with Joe Burrow. I'm a believer in Joe Burrow. You've helped convince me. So I'm going to go with Joe Burrow. I hate Ryan Tannehill. And uh, <laughs> if Chris Henry doesn't play, I, I just Derek can't Henry. see it. That 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 team, <laughs> Ryan Tannehill. Ghost of Chris Henry. Derek Henry. Yeah, uh, that's right. Chris Derek. Get Derek Chris. Chris. You know, Derrick Henry, Chris, Chris Henry, they're the, they're the same. And I'm gonna give you my <laughs> afternoon pick. I'm gonna go with uh, the Green Bay Packers just because Jimmy G will make a mistake oh late God. in that game to you give like the Green Bay Packers <laughs> an opportunity to win that game. Jimmy you gave G, Garoppolo wow. a 20, 23 to seven lead, and you asked him to just simply take care of the game. He missed he a huge third off. down throw. It should have been huge. like a thirty yard gain. He had Huge. an interception. Garoppolo, he's garbage. I, so I'm going to go ahead and jump forward. With that I, I'm, I'm going to jump forward. I know you're picking the Packers against the Niners, and I'm picking I'm not, the Packers I'm not against the Niners. Jimmy Garoppolo well. on the road again. It shouldn't have happened the no. first time. I'm pissed about that. Especially not against Cal that's be, that's Football be, Zone. That's because I bet I in, in betting against Jimmy Garoppolo on the road, which is a pretty solid bet in my mind. I had to bet on Mike McCarthy, okay? It's a tough spot. It's a tough spot. Either way, you kind of feel like you're you're sort of screwed. Um, yeah, I, Mike. you know, I'm not, no chance Garoppolo is going to, to Lambeau to beat Rodgers and LaFleur in that team. There's absolutely no way. Mike Garoppolo, um, um, yeah, yeah, not Mike Garoppolo, but Garoppolo, yeah, he will make a mistake. And Mike McCarthy, his teams are typically just, undisciplined and you know they'll figure out a way to lose uh so let's get into the sunday matchups i think the bucks beat in my opinion um i think the bucks will beat the cardinals but i do not think the bucks will beat the rams because mm. their offensive line is broke up and you could see in that game um you know philadelphia was getting after them that offensive line is is, is if that tackle is out for the bucks um, yep. it, it's going to be tough. The Bucks are just down a lot of offensive players and weapons. Gronk is not what he was 
Um, I, I just um, I, I like the Rams. If the Rams win, I like the Rams to to beat the Buccaneers on the road in Tampa. If Arizona wins, I like the Buccaneers to beat Arizona. And I'm going to go with the Chiefs to win the game against the Bills, but I think it's going to be an outstanding game of two of the young, mm. uh, best young mm. quarterbacks in football. I think it's going to be an outstanding be game. Be That's going to be Bills a great are, the game. The Bills are such a good team. I mean, they 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 – they had a weird year. They probably shouldn't have lost to, to Jacksonville. A little, little out of character, I think, for them. They lost the. Give me Steelers your picks. Give somehow. me, give me, give me um, your picks. I, I, uh, Buffalo, Kansas City is yeah. It's a Super Bowl level game, in my opinion. Um, you saw how good Buffalo played. We know what Kansas City is capable of. I, I think, I got to go with Kansas City. I just think top to bottom, they they should be a better team. Buffalo's defense, I think, has played very, very well. Um, they they came on a lot more uh, as the season went on. I, I I'm going to go with Kansas City. I think that's going to be a really tight game, though. Yeah, I think honestly, I'm thinking about that game. I think it's going to be uh, when I look at it, it's going to be. I think what is Kansas City going to do um, to stop the run element of Josh Allen? Um, and his ability to run the football. And I think that's going to be interesting to see what happens there. But I think, you know, that's one of those games where both of those teams know if we win, we're going to Super Bowl. Like that, they're, they're thinking to themselves, we win that game, uh, we're going to Inglewood. We're going to SoFi, and uh, we're going to play uh, in the Super Bowl. But with that, we are going to go ahead and conclude this program. Neil, thank you for all the hard work this off season. We got a lot more football to talk about, of course, during the business season, because this is when it actually gets even more interesting and more fun to me. Because this is going to be a very different and a very interesting offseason for the Pittsburgh Steelers, one in which they actually don't know who their next quarterback is. So that brings a little bit of nervousness, some paranoia. But it also brings a little bit of excitement as to what the future of the Pittsburgh Steelers is going to look like. And we haven't been in that position for quite some time. I've gone through it twice, post-Bradshaw, <laughs> now post-Ben. Some of you is just post-Ben, but, you know, it's a very interesting place to be. And so we'll see what this next iteration of the Pittsburgh Steelers looks like in the 2022-23 season. But with that, we will conclude the show. And as always, tune in tell a friend, and subscribe. Thank you, Ben Roethlisberger, for all the memories.